thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. For our next section here, I'm going to ask two people to come up. One is going to be Abby again, and she's going to talk about just what is the issue of modern slavery and trafficking around the world. And so she's going to kind of give a broad scope. She's going to give a lot of the information and statistics that International Justice Mission provides, but these are easily found by a lot of the organizations that look at these things. And so, and then Lori uh, O'Day, where's Lori? She's not sitting in the same spot anymore. She's going to share with us um, where the issue is nearby, in our own communities, in our own neighborhoods. And so, and then when we're done with that, I'm going to just share briefly about God's heart for compassion and for justice. And then we're going to break up and we're going to pray around the banners in the building here this morning. And so we're going to start acting on some of the things that God wants us to do. And so, um, Abby, I welcome you back up. Welcome her as she comes to share. here to share with you a little bit about an organization that does um, some tangible work to kind of combat human trafficking um, uh, internationally. Um, So International Justice Mission is um, an anti-trafficking, the largest anti-trafficking organization in the world. Um, And their vision statement is to rescue thousands, protect millions, and prove that justice is possible for the poor. Um, So their um, vision is to kind of strengthen the systems that Um, allow for injustice and um, abuse of power. Um, So they're doing some incredible things. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a rundown about who they are and um, what their model is and um, and that kind of thing. So um, the issue is very vast, right? I mean, you think about um, human trafficking and it seems overwhelming. Um, So I'm going to break it down to the four things that they do. Um, So the first is they rescue victims. So they go into the hardest places and they um, knock down the doors and rescue people from the situations of abuse. Like we saw in that video about Lake Volta in Ghana, um, they kind of go in and help people escape from those situations. And they do this by um, connecting with local people who know um, where the the most um, need is and then um, use those connections and um, an understanding of the cities and stuff to um, kind of get into those places. Um, the second part of what they do is they bring criminals to justice. So a lot of times, um, if there's not a strong um, justice system, if the police don't do their job, um, then it's difficult for perpetrators to um, be held accountable for what they're doing. Um, so the other thing that they do is make sure that the police um, and the law enforcement have the resources to um, continue to do the work that they're supposed to do. Um, if you're in a system that is... Uh, poorly funded or not prioritized, it's easy to fall prey to corruption. And um, a lot of times it's like people um, 
don't have much of a choice because it's what their livelihood depends on. So um, providing the resources and the training for police forces and law enforcement is um, an important part of what they do. And then also like legally making sure that people get prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Um, so they're a team of lawyers as well. So they have um, legal professionals who know how to do that work. Um, and then the last thing is they restore survivors. Um, so this looks like um, helping people who are finally getting out of these situations of violence rebuild their lives. So if that means helping them set up their own small businesses, making sure that they have a way to um, have a livelihood, create funds, helping their kids get into schools, um, or if it looks like more like trauma therapy. Um, in a lot of cases, people have been through a lot of trauma um, and experienced a lot of things that are overwhelming and, and create um, some difficulties. So it, just helping people walk through those things um, is what their aftercare department does. So um, IJM has offices in, I believe it's 11, 17 countries. Um, and so around the sanctuary today, we have um, four sections of um, kind of prayer. We're going to break off in a little bit and get to pray for some of the offices that IJM has. Um, and so each office kind of works um, on different things, um, so whether it be sex trafficking, um, land theft, property rights, um, lab um, bonded labor, um, there are a lot of different issues that IJM works with, um, and so um, kind of what I, um, what is close to my heart is um, Uganda, because that is where I have the privilege of um, serving um, with IJM next year, and they do a lot of work there with forced um, sorry, uh, land grabbing. Um, so when, in some cases, when um, husbands die, um, the community will come and try and take the land of the widows and the children, and that will like, take, strip them of their livelihood, their ability to make money, their, um, their home. And so IJAM does a lot of work to kind of make sure that when um, women have the right to own land and the right to maintain their own property because in a lot of cases they've been doing this for they've been working the land for um, their whole lives and then they lose their husband they go through this tragedy and then that their rights to own the land and to do their livelihood is also taken away from them um, so I'll be working with the aftercare department there helping people um, transition and um, get their best foot forward because even when you um, when you lose someone it's difficult it's a tragedy but also then when you're getting these um, rights taken away from you, it's difficult. So the aftercare department there is doing incredible things, and I'm very privileged to be able to work with them. Um, so I'm excited for us to get to pray in different sections today and um, share a little bit about what IJM is doing.
This is the girl. Whenever something like this comes, I imagine in my mind that girl is found. We have operations all over the world, rescuing people from slavery. Because today there are criminals who abuse children, sell girls. How old is she? 12. 12? How much? 30? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. And force families into slavery. Criminals prey on the easiest target, the world's poor, because they expect no one to defend them. But today, there are thousands of people gathering to seek justice for those in slavery. We are a group of lawyers, counselors, activists, and supporters. We are called International Justice Mission. Together, we form the largest international anti-slavery organization in the world. But slavery won't come to an end until criminals know they can't get away with it. So we partner with local police to arrest and prosecute criminals. This sends a message to slave owners. We will not go away. We stay with the survivors until they are healed, until they are free. Natulungan po ako ng IJM sa pamamigitan po na sa case ko, sa pagtulong po nila na ma-overcome ko po yung, yung fear. Each year, we rescue thousands of slaves and protect millions around the world. We are transforming how justice systems protect their citizens. To those who are still enslaved, we promise to find you. We will get you home to your families so you can have the freedom you deserve. come face to face with some of these really unsettling realities is hard, and I recognize that this morning. But this morning as we worship the Lord, our worship to God is a lament. We grieve. Did you feel grief? I feel grief. Um, we ask our hearts, do we care? Do we find compassion? Do we align ourselves with God's heart for justice, Right? And so worship today comes in the form of lament, comes in the form of grieving and solidarity with the oppressed. And it comes in the form of aligning ourselves to say, God, we want your heart in these matters. And so help us, align us. I recognize that showing these kind of things in church, it puts us in a difficult situation because we're all asking, what do we do? And we'll have some of these what do we do moments uh, as we go. 
I don't want anyone to feel under condemnation or judgment, but I do want us to feel and experience what God is feeling and experience as these things happen around the world and as they happen in our own area. So, Lori, would you come, please, and share with us what happens even in these things locally? Welcome her as she comes. Um, it's so, it moves my heart to watch videos like that, those gorgeous little children in situations like that. It just breaks my heart. Um, but it's not just happening outside the United States. We don't like to think about what's going on in the States, in Illinois, in our own town, but it's happening. Uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security said human trafficking, and they define it as modern-day slavery involving the illegal trade of people for, exploration, for exploitation or commercial gain. Um, the Polaris Project, which is a group in the United States that reports stats, um, said that 14 to 17,000 human beings are trafficked into the United States every year. And that is horrible coming from, I don't know how they, they get coerced or trapped, brought into the United States. It's horrible. Yeah. However, hundreds of thousands of victims of human trafficking are in the United States right now, not coming from other countries. They're Americans being trafficked by other Americans. This is horrible. And you think, how in the world does this happen? Right? Um... In 2016, one out of six endangered runaways reported to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children were likely child sex trafficking victims. And of those victims, 86% were in the care of social services or foster care. This church has a real heart for foster care, for adoption, for safe families, for the care of the vulnerable, and for every person who's ever welcomed a child into their home, for the people who are right now fostering children and taking them out of the risk, bravo. I have to say that, bravo. So there will be a vulnerable child, a runaway, or even a, a teenager living at home with their parents and they get involved with some boyfriend. This is the number one way people are recruited into trafficking. Um, a boyfriend or an intimate partner somehow coerces them into making money for them. You can't even imagine how that works. We have teenage daughters, and we think, how in the world would that work? Some weird boyfriend gets them involved in something horrible. Second most... Um, I don't want to say popular. The second way people get trafficked is by their family members. These are parents selling their children into sex trafficking for financial gain or for drug money, and it happens every day in the United States. Um, someone posing as a benefactor or someone offering some false promise or fraud, these are the top four ways people are recruited into trafficking in the United States. Uh, in her memoir, The Slave Across the Street... Teresa Flores tells her own story of how she was a 15-year-old, all-American, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl in high school when she was coerced and trapped into an, uh, a dangerous criminal sex trafficking realm. 
She was living in the suburbs, of affluent suburbs of Detroit. Her dad was a, an executive in the car industry. And for months, she was coerced and forced into the sex trade, and her parents had no idea. Um, I recommend reading that book. It's called The Slave Across the Street by Teresa Flores. Um, you think, how bad is the problem in America? I don't know, Daniel, do we have the slide with the orange banner on the top? I don't know if it'll come out or not. Um, but there are some headlines that I just grabbed from Googling, Googling the, um, the problem of trafficking in the United States. It said, um, Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart called the human trafficking problem in Cook County, Illinois, widespread and heinous. Just this summer, July 25 to August 26th, there were 473 arrests nationwide in a trafficking crackdown. In Cook County, 73 people were arrested in stings in Maywood, Illinois, Matson, Illinois, and, hang on to your hats, Lansing, Illinois. This summer, these are not old stats. It's happening, it's happening in affluent neighborhoods like Burridge, Illinois, where people have more money than they know what to do with, and that gets them into trouble. And it happens in Lansing, Illinois, where we've had stings in hotels just by the expressway. And I had one headline that um, reads, Couple accused of kidnapping and pimping 13-year-old girl in Lansing pleads guilty. And that was from this year, 2018. So this problem is huge. And what can we do about it? What can we do about it? I love the idea of December. I'm kind of a dress girl myself, but if I wear one every day in December, that might raise some awareness because my legs will be freezing. But that's okay. Um, I'm going to do December, and I encourage you to do that too. What else can we do? We've already mentioned um, helping to get kids out of the system by, by foster care and adoption and safe families. But also, um, one of the main things you can do is to just be aware. Learn the signs of someone who's caught up in trafficking. Um, here are a few things to look out for. A young person that has a fearful, anxious look and avoids eye contact when you speak to them. Um, uh, someone who has few or no possessions while traveling, someone who's not allowed to speak, the adult constantly speaks for them, um, someone who is unable to give their address or has no ID. Where are you staying, honey? Uh, I don't know. That's a warning sign. Um, they have lost the sense of time. They don't know what day it is, what month it is, what time it is, because their lives are not their own. Stay aware. Look around. Keep your eyes open. Um, the number one thing you can do is pray. It's been said that prayer is rebellion against the status quo. And we can all be rebels in the fight against human trafficking by praying. Maybe you should use your smartphone and set an alarm for every 15th of the month to pray for um, those caught up in human trafficking. Um, so here's a couple of headlines I snagged. From 2017, Illinois ranks among the top for human trafficking. Um, they were in the top 10 for reported cases of human trafficking by the national hotline. Chicago man accused of human trafficking in nine states. Um, that's just awful. Suburban family shares their story on sex trafficking in hopes of warning others. That's a family in Plainfield, Illinois, whose daughter was caught up. They had no idea she was caught up in a sex trafficking ring in Plainfield, Illinois. And there's the couple accused of kidnapping and pimping 13-year-old girl in Lansing pleads guilty. These are real people in real situations right now, today. 
Um, I don't think that some of those hotels along 8094 and Torrance Avenue are vacation destinations for people. I think that they're mainly used for um, affairs and prostitution. And very few young girls grow up saying that they want to be a prostitute someday. I think most of them are there against their wills. So um, I just want to take a quick moment and pray um, because this is serious. And we are people who rebel against the status quo. So, Lord Jesus, we just come to you right now by the power of the name of Jesus that breaks every chain. And right now, for those young girls, boys, women, men that are being held against their will, whether it's sex trafficking, whether it's labor, God, break the chains. Send rescuers, Lord, we pray. Even now, I pray that clues would be coming to the surface in investigations. I pray that eyes would be open to people who are vulnerable. I pray that runaways who are considering leaving would not do it, Lord. Save them, we pray. God, we thank you for your love and your grace that allows us to open our eyes and to not be overwhelmed by the need, but to trust in a mighty, powerful God who breaks chains. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. One more thing you can do is vote. We have a friend, Julie Altoff, who's in legislature in Indiana. I don't know if we have the video of Julie. We've got just a couple um, words about what she's been able to do as um, part of the legislature. So vote. It matters. As part of the government and legislature, setting people free is something really important to us and to me. And over the last four years, I was able to help pass 12 new laws fighting sexual assault and domestic violence and human trafficking as all part of that. Right. As part of the government and legislature, I don't know about you, but as the service continues to go on, my heart just continues to break. And um, we have uh, provided in the back, there's a table in the back that um, Ted and my wife will be at. Uh, a couple articles you might find helpful um, put out by Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, human trafficking, 20 things you can do to stop it. Number one is pray. And number two is learn. We're doing those today. Uh, there's another article that was put out. It says, uh, we've got it all wrong. Five myths about human trafficking and protecting your kids. How many people, as Lori was talking, shots went through your mind about how to protect your own sons and daughters? Um, so grab those. Those are resources for you. I'm going to take a minute now. We've just got a couple minutes. And I just want to open up the Word of God. And I want to fill your hearts now that they've been broken and emptied with God's word and God's power and God's desire to see his church be the solution to oppression and slavery in our world. So let's just take a minute. We'll pray, open up our hearts to God's word, and I'll take us through. Lord, we thank you for just exposing us to these horrific things. They're not pleasant. They're very unpleasant. But God, we need to know them. We need to make our lives count for what matters in our world because these things matter to you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that even as our hearts are broken and emptied, that, God, you would fill us with faith, with the truth of your word, with the courage and the boldness that comes through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would, as a church, form and shape us around your heart, 
that we would be people who are given to the things that you're given to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I look at, um, if you open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. It'll be up on the board. The teacher, he says this, I looked, again I looked, and I saw the oppression that was taking place under the sun. You see, to the teacher of Ecclesiastes, he creates this contrast to all that happens under the sun. Everything that happens in the box of this world, the world and its brokenness, the systems and the way in which kind of things are in the world, under the sun. That's his term for saying this is the way things are in the world. It says that he, he, he looked and he saw the way things were under the sun in the world. He says, I saw the tears of the oppressed and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of the oppressor and they have no comforter. I guess this morning I started by saying the big ask today for you of all this information is compassion, care. Because if you care, you'll speak. If you care, you'll pray. If you care, you'll align yourself with the heart of God. And maybe, who knows, God might use you to stop the oppression. But here in the box, in the world as we know it, the powerful oppress those. Those who are oppressed have tears, but there is no one to comfort them. Because nobody cares. Jesus cares. The heart of God for the oppressed is seen in Amos, the prophet Amos, who lived in a day when the people of God were rebelling against the heart of God and the covenant they were in. The people of God did not reflect what God was like. The ancient people who had this knowledge of God, they knew what it meant to belong to God, that he would be their God and they would be his people, and they were meant to reflect the holiness and the heart of their God, and they were failing profoundly. And so when the people of God begin to fail profoundly, God raises up a prophet, someone in your life, someone in their life, that says, this is not God's way. This is not the way God wants his people to act or to think. These are not the motivations. These are not the heart beats of people that know and love God. And in Amos's day, there was two big issues. And the prophet Amos brings them up like a court case, like a prosecution against the people of God. And the first prosecution is this, you're idolaters. You don't put God first. You love other things more than God. You act like you love God, you do religious things, but you are not living like someone who puts God first in your life. That's what an idolater means. We think they, they worship pieces of wood or big giant gold statues or, or, or whatever else. It doesn't have to look any certain way. It can look any way it looks like in your life. But anytime you put things before God, that's idolatry. And I know the guy that wrote the book that says that our hearts are like idol factories. We continually to love other things. Some of you are getting hungry. Your love for food, you're like, just get me out of here. Some of you can't wait to watch the game. Other things try to compete and usurp Jesus in your life. Maybe it's the affection of a boyfriend or the attention of a girlfriend. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's things. Maybe it's who knows what. Your own pride that 
you want people to think you're great and that's more important than honoring God because that will humble you. Could be so many things. But the first prosecution against the people of God in Amos' day was this. You're idolaters. And God says, you won't, get, you, you won't have that. I'll send the locusts to come and to devour. And the second thing was social injustice. In Israel's heyday, they were prospering as a country, but the wealthy could buy justice and the poor could not. The wealthy had recourse to find justice, to get their case heard. But the poor did not. Why do you think God's word and God's people are so filled with compassion and love for the poor? It's not because it's popular. It's not because you're supposed to look like a good person. It's because the poor are vulnerable. The poor have no recourse The poor have no ability to seek justice, even in America. We say, well, we've got rule of law. We've got law enforcement that generally works really great. If you call 911, you know the average time of their responses is like 10 minutes. Someone will be there to help you, rich or poor. But even in America, the poor do not have the same advantages as those who have money to defend themselves. We know this. We know this. Maybe that's you. You know this. Or maybe you're the wealthy and you think it's all even. It's not. How much more in countries that when they call 911, nobody answers because they don't have a 911. That someone is breaking into their house at night and there's no one to call. They break in, they steal, they do you harm, and there's no recourse to find them or to prosecute them or cause any deterrent for them to stop. Chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 2 of Amos. It says this, For three sins of Israel, even four, God says, I will not relent. I will not let you go on these sins. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as the dust of the ground, and they deny justice to the oppressed. Now, many of us say, well, how are we to provide justice for the oppressed outside of our country? Well, there are very limitations. But I'm trying to introduce you to an organization that does such things. They're lawyers and advocates and people that sturdy social legal systems. They come and they advocate for the poor. And so for us to align ourselves to the heart of God in justice and in compassion, we align ourselves with the poor And if we can't get to them directly, we support those who align themselves with the poor. When Jesus spoke of the rule of God, the kingdom of God coming in Luke 4, he quoted Isaiah, the prophet, where he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the... To the what? He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll after reading Isaiah, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. It was Jesus' version of the mic drop. Boom. 
God has spoken. Where the rule of God and the spirit of the God reigns, that's what happens. And for us as the people of God, we need to align ourselves and say, that's God's heart. To advocate for those who are oppressed. To set free those seven people. Seven people. Did you hear it? Continues to ring. You know, the largest industry in Africa is private security. The largest industry in Africa is private security. Why? Because police departments and law enforcement do not keep people safe. If you want to do business there, you hire private security. There's no 911 in many places. In some places there are. I want us to have the ministry of compassion. The ministry that says, in whatever way, small or large, I want to advocate for things that are on the heart of God. And for many of us, these things are out of our reach. And if if we didn't bring them here on a Sunday morning, you may never be exposed to them, which is why we bring them on a Sunday morning, so that we might worship God through lament, through grief, and through building a heart of compassion. Guys, it's not that hard to wear a tie through December. Maybe that's something you could do. Maybe it's not. I've got one good tie. One. I've got a bunch of old ones. But maybe just talking about it with people. Say, you know what? Horrible things go on in our world, and I care about those things. That's a lot. That might be what you can do. We're going to break up here in about 60 seconds, and I'm going to invite you to pray at one of our prayer stations. But you can pray this morning. But you know what? You can pray all the time. I love the idea, Lori, of setting an alarm for the 15th of every month to spend 15 minutes praying against slavery in our world. I love that. If you do that, your heart will change. It'll come back to your remembrance because all of your busy life and all of your own problems will just try to squeeze it out. At the table back there, I put out envelopes. We don't generally fundraise for everybody and their brother, but you know what? I think this is a good opportunity. If you say, you know what? I want my heart to care about the oppressed of the world. There's envelopes back there, and I encourage you to give towards IJM. Become a freedom partner. Fund lawyers and advocates and aftercare people that really do advocate advocate for those who are oppressed. Just send $5. Send $10. Come a monthly giver. I don't care. Train your heart, shape your heart, and shape your life to mirror and reflect God's own heart. And if we know God and we see these scriptures, we understand that God has a heart for justice for the oppressed. Amen? All right, stand with me. I'm going to pray and dismiss us into prayer. And so let me give you some instruction on this. Over there, there's a There's a little sign for those of you who I've asked to kind of stand by those signs. You can go there now to pray for Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia is like Philippines and Cambodia. The sex trafficking, it's it's known for that. Thailand. Over here is pray for Latin America. There's our own little Guatemalan sister standing right there to pray for her country. 
There's a little instruction there. You don't have to know what to pray, even if you just stand there and say, God, I pray. But maybe you can lift up your voice. Maybe you can say a prayer for children, for women, for those suffering violence. Over here is a prayer for Southeast Asia. Did I get those confused? That is for South Asia. That's India and the region. Southeast Asia is Thailand, Philippines, etc., etc. And over here is pray for Africa. Actually, I'd like you to take notice and welcome. We have Cobus and Tess Swart visiting us from South Africa this morning. Can you welcome them? They have uh, quite a profound and significant ministry in South Africa, but here they're probably most famous for being David Swart's uncle. So there you go, those of you who know David. And listen, we, we highlighted the near dangers as well. And so I want to invite people who want to pray for America and the stop of human trafficking and slavery in America to come to the front right here in the altar and pray, and I will lead that group there. And so I'm going to lead us in just a commissioning prayer. When I say amen, I want you to either go wherever your heart leads you, South Asia, Latin America, Southeast Asia, or Africa. If you don't know where to go, it doesn't matter. Just wander to a group. If for some reason you have to go, feel free to leave, but leave quietly because we're going to be praying in here for the next 10 minutes. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity to explore and know your heart. God, help us with the information we heard and the emotional handcuffs. These It's just hard, Lord, to process. It's hard, Lord, to know. But God, give us first steps. Help us to care. Help us to pray. Maybe help us to give. God, maybe even someone like Abby and Ted want to go. You want to make a difference. You want to be part of the solution on the ground somewhere. God, lead us where you would have us. In your name we pray. Amen.